Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 278. This episode is with Academy Human Development and Performance Culture Lead at Sheffield United, Sally Needham. Now, there's episodes that crop up every now and again that I get really excited about. I just want to share to everyone. I want to get as many people listening as possible. And this is definitely one of them, especially if you work with academy players or if you're a parent or one day wanting to be a parent. Because I think some of the things that Sally mentions in this episode are absolutely vital when it comes to any sort of engagement we have with children, with youth players, to get the most out of them and to work with them all. And it was something that really stood out for me, the way that Sally spoke about different players. We covered a number of different things on the podcast. We spoke about how neuroscience influences our work with players. We spoke about what to consider when working with the modern day player. We spoke about mindfulness, meditation, how Sally incorporates that within the program at Sheffield United. And then also some of the recommended areas of focus that we need to develop in regards to human development as well from Sally too. So there's absolutely loads in this one. And please give it a share, especially, like I said, anyone that works within academy football, with youth players at any level, or any parents, because I think there's so much. I said this to Sally after recording. Being a parent myself, having two young boys, I think there's so much that crosses over in how we interact with children um, how we treat children how we look at children that there's not just bad eggs that we need to find ways of working with them every child is different um, every child needs a slightly different approach like maybe slightly different language and it's our job as a coach as a parent to find that and to and to work with them in the way that they find that helps them so I hope you enjoy this episode but please give it a share as well I want to try and get this out to as many coaches as possible that it is going to be suitable for just quickly before we get into our sponsors, make sure to check out our upcoming networking events. Our next event is going to be at Colchester United, but we have got a number of events coming soon as well. So keep an eye on our socials and also the website, footballfitfed.com. Click the shop tab and the networking events tab there. You'll be able to find all of our upcoming events. We've got events coming after Colchester in the Northwest, hopefully the Northeast as well, and Midlands. So just keep an eye on the website and the socials for any announcements of events coming very soon. Now, one thing I'm focusing on at the minute is my early morning routine. And it comes a little bit off the back of the podcast with Phil Learney, where he spoke about caffeine and sleep. So I'm really trying to optimize the start of my day to try and make it as productive as possible. And with this, one of the things that I really wanted to focus on is how I could be cognitively sharp in those first few hours of the day to make sure I'm as productive as I can and try and tick off as many of the jobs that I've got for the day as I can in the first few hours. So a product I've been using is called Magic Mind. It's a small shot and it's really helped me on the back of getting hydrated using electrolytes and water without caffeine. I I take the Magic Mind shot And it really helps me just switch on for those first few hours of the day. And it's something that I've spoke to other people that are very busy people that need to be productive. They've spoke about as well. They're using it too. And I know there's a number of other people. I think Joe Rogan spoke about it on his podcast. And it really is a a product to go and check out. So the good thing is Magic Mind have set, set us up a unique link for any listeners of the Football Fitness Federation podcast. So check out the link in our show notes. And you can get up to 56% off the the subscription for the next 10 days with the code FOOTBALLFITNESSFEDERATION20. And I'll post all of that in the show notes for you so you can check it out. But I really do recommend it if it's something that you're struggling with, being productive and focusing, especially those first few hours, go and check it out. Also, a big thank you to The Good Prep. The Good Prep is a meal prep delivery service that provides fresh, ready-to-eat, chef-cooked meals straight to your door. They offer meal plans tailored to your personal goals, current activity level and schedule. The Good Prep works closely with elite level athletes and corporates to develop meal solutions that meet the ever-changing demands of performance and training. Their clients include Brighton Hove Albion, PGMOL, Commonwealth Teams, Gymshark and many more. Their meals are full of all the nutrients you need to keep you in peak performance. You can achieve every goal you set. Plus, you can reclaim your time 
eat better, move more, and reduce food waste too. Their meal plans are designed to guide you through your journey to a healthier you. Take the guesswork out of healthy eating, discover the power of nutrition at thegoodprep.com and make sure you use the code FFF15 for 15% off your first order. This podcast is brought to you by Hytro, the number one BFR brand in pro sport, helping teams and athletes improve performance and recovery faster with their blood flow restriction wearables. Built for sport and proven by science, check out hytro.com to find out more. And also a big shout out to Rezzle doing some incredible work in the world of VR. Make sure you go and check those guys out at Rezzle over on social media. And let's get into episode 278 with Academy Human Development and Performance Culture Lead at Sheffield United, Sally Needham. Get your pen and paper ready. Rezzle is the world's number one virtual reality sports trainer. Whatever your team, your sport, your ability, improve your game and train like a pro. Reactions, performance, accuracy, stamina, resilience. Train at home in the Rezzle Sports and Fitness VR Training Arena. Search Rezzle, R-E-Z-Z-I-L. The world's number one virtual reality sports trainer. Available now on MetaQuest. Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 278. I'm excited for this one today. I'm joined on the podcast by Sally Needham. Sally, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you, Ben. Thanks for the invite. No problem at all. We were just saying we had to delay a week because we'd have both sounded like a bit of a doctor's surgery going on (laughs) with a bit of illness going around. So I appreciate your flexibility and coming on the podcast. So thanks for freeing some time up. No problem at all. You're welcome. Can sorry, just take us because you've got quite a um individual role, I suppose, um at the club. Quite um yeah. that isn't going to be, it's not going to be at many other clubs. So we'll get into that in a little bit. But do you want to just start us off on your background? Yeah. So um I started off in coaching. So um did my badges quite quick to be honest. Got my way for the year. Uh, 20 which were quite unique really then as a female um and um then went into coaches doing that and working um in mum and dad's factory in the morning in the admin and then doing all ppa and coaching and everything like that trying to get myself uh, a job role after university um and then i got a phone call um from uh, ted dale who was at david beckham academy so I went down to London and that was my first time, first like full-time job role. So I went into Beckham Academy for about two and a half years. Uh, met some amazing people uh, that are still very I'm close to now. Um, but also then what happened is um, 20, 2007, the FA launched the FA Skills Programme and a couple of the people at the Beckham Academy went to be regional managers. So I applied for one of the roles, got one. There were 66 of us. Um, so I started the FA in 2007 and it was on a programme, like I said, working with 5 to 11, so we're coaching. Um, really fortunate that um, I got asked to go on the pilot of the Advanced Youth Award in 2012, which were a game changer for me and kind of massive, let, massive kind of um, diverted me into this area. So um, I went on that in 2012, did my AYA. And then... Um, Still working at the FA. Then 2015, uh, the FA pulled up some county coach developer roles. So I applied for one of those and moved across. So I went then into more coach development. Um, decided I'd do my A licence. Uh, so I applied and did that. But obviously I had to be working at 11 v 11. So I went and worked at Sheffield Girls Centre of Excellence and did that. And finished the A lessons off at Donny Bells. Um, and while we're at the Girls Centre of Excellence, um, had a player that really struggled to connect with that caused me a lot of issues, but she's a great girl. Um, and to refer it with my lens on her behaviour that was but the issue and not her actually, uh, when now I know that. Um, so I went and did a, a child development, neuroscience, brain development course away from the FA. Uh, my best friend um, had trained in it and was applying it in a, in a practitioner role and just said to me that, you know, you're looking at these players' behaviours all wrong. So, which I was. So I went and did that. And then the last couple of years, been trying to transfer it back into the FA um, and delivering it in little club, in clubs and 
getting to a point where the work for neuroscience was embedded in my daily practices. Um, and then COVID it. So I took redundancy from the FA. Um, luckily for me, Jack Lester at Sheffield had been after me for a while. So I finished at the FA on a Friday, started at uh, Sheffield United on the Monday as a performance consultant. So I was doing two days a week. Um, and then gradually, as Jack went to first team with Paul Eckingbottom, um, Ecke approached and said, would you come, consider coming full time? So I went full time in October 2022. Um, no, March 2022. Um, so I've been there ever since. And yeah, so I'm at Sheffield now. Uh, do little bits for, I've just signed a contract. Um, I was working at Wales Women um, and Gemma, the head coach, has gone to Norway Women. So I'm moving across with her to Norway. Um, and then I work with, I do a bit of business with a friend, a really good friend of mine with some individual players. So, so yes, yeah, so that's where the work's at at the minute. Amazing. I wanted to get you on because obviously you've referenced there some of your early experiences with players and like your reflections on that as well. So I think this is where we can, as listeners, we can take a lot from the lessons that you've learned in, in your coaching, but also everything that you've gone on to study since in terms of neuroscience. So I wanted to start us quite broad in terms of how does neuroscience impact the work that we do with players? So for me, neuroscience um, is the soil in what we see. So understanding the individual, um, we talk about it all the time. From whatever lens that is, it's about understanding who you're working with. But neuroscience helps us to understand actually what is in their brain and their body. So it's the soil stuff that underpins everything. When we then talk it from like a coaching lens, the elements of what we see above the surface on, say, behaviour, like I said about what player, neuroscience gives us the underpinning knowledge and understanding of why that's occurring. So how and what these behaviours are being brought out. We then look at then how our body and nervous system work together. How does that then inform the way that we are with players or with our clients, um, how we structure our learning, how do we understand them, how do we recognise when they're in and out of their states, their emotional regulation, and also just being more purposeful with our practices. So like you've said to me all the time, realistically, what neuroscience has gave us is nothing new in the sense of nothing um, that we don't already know or don't get preached around around in our coaching awards or in our daily practices. But what it does give us is the understanding of the why we do what we do. So that the fact that then it makes it so we can be more purposeful in what we do to enable us to get more development underneath in that soil. We talk talk about the soil being like our emotional resilience and, and that's our body and our brain. So if we can be more purposeful in it, we've got more understanding of the soil, but also then how we deposit into that soil for that player, which then relates back to, if you look at it from a grass perspective, what you see on the surface then is then is then basically underpinned by the soil. But also then as a practitioner, you then can try and push and prod and develop them players or people um, that's then what you see above the surface. Yeah, I love that analogy. That could, that makes complete sense. And if you could use as many of those as possible for my little brain, that'd be great, Sally. <laughs> that, no, I think it, it's really, um, it's something we speak about a lot in terms of dealing with individual players. And we, we yeah. speak obviously on the strength side, the power side, but this side of things in terms of the coaching and dealing with each individual and each individual's char characteristics is so important, yeah. isn't it? Because I suppose some of the things that you brought up where a player might be harder to work with initially. Yeah. Previously, it probably it was a bit disregarded, wasn't it? Like, oh, they're not going to do what what we yeah. said. So let's just sort of push them to one side and focus on the people that do. And I yeah. suppose is that the biggest impact now that you feel like you can hit the broad spectrum of players because everyone's different. We accept that, and now it's finding a way of working with them. Well, definite, and I think understanding that um, every behaviour that a person has is a result of probably an experience or something that's happened through childhood. So we know that importance of childhood, like in key and then as behaviours. And so, for example, like we've got a player that um, struggles to do much more than he's asked to do in the gym. Like yeah. it's a nightmare getting him in the gym. 
Like he don't see the value in it. He don't go over you know, his reps or things like that. So, but what my analogy to the to the staff is, if that has not been put in his system or he's missed elements of that in his system from childhood and then experiences them when he's been at school, it's like a puppy, you train him. So we can't just say to him, he's got to do it once. I know like, and then we expect it to be layered in his nervous system, in his brain. It's not, you've got to neurologically layer it. So for him to behave differently, he's got to think differently, which sparks two neurons. The more then that, that pathway gets embedded, that becomes then his new way of being. So we can't just expect that some children, we can't just go, oh, they haven't got this, or they don't do that as players. It's a case of, right, well, what is it that's missing? What do we then need to then help him with? Then how do we neurologically embed it into him? And then he's got the skill set then to do it. So it's not the child's fault. It's something that's probably not being put in through childhood. And it doesn't mean the fact that he's had a traumatic experience. He comes from an amazing loving family. But it's just being missed in some of his development. We've all got them. We've all got those little missing interruptions. So I think for me now, when my when I first came in Sheffield, my lens is giving a different perspective. So when we say, oh, he don't look bothered, well, does he not look bothered or is he not is he out of his learning capacity, which means he's not up for social engagement, or is he still going through adolescent brain changes? That we know that is literally your facial goes offline because of your prefrontal cortex. So Elements of all that is 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 where I think that neuroscience gives us the fact that we don't we always look at to behave and there's always a reason behind it and it'll probably come through childhood and then you start to then shine a light on that behaviour how do you then bridge that gap of putting that back in their system so a lot's done that way and you, and you mentioned like power and like endurance and all of that stuff for me my lens and understanding neuroscience everything is built upon your bodily state so if you don't feel like you are safe in connection or you're not regulated in your bodily state whatever you're then going to do in the gym or on the field or learning is limited in yeah. a sense then how you can do it or what it then gets stored and then the benefit of that so for me it's pivotal before you start even looking at anything else that you understand around this area and understand how you notice it in players, but also then being able to build that into practice because, like I said, decision-making, self-confidence, power, endurance, movement, anything technical is all built on your bodily state. And what age are we talking about here, Sally, in terms of your work... Is that does that stem right across the academy age groups? Yeah, so from pre-academy all the way through. Um, there's different lenses. The, the neuroscience underpins it all. Even our education team and things like that is all underpinned by the neuroscience. What will be slightly different in different phases is the fact of when you are in your younger phase, you need a lot of more co-regulation. So the impact of the coach is very much more higher in the co-regulation phase. When, when children then start to develop their own self-regulation, it's then the fact of understanding the role that you play in helping them self-regulate as well, along with their brain changes. And then as we go into PDP more, which is like 18s and above, some of them will still be going through brain changes. We also know that our brain and our body doesn't settle down until mid-20s. So then you what you're trying to do is give them the daily habits earlier and understanding themselves early and that was the remit i just want the boys to know themselves earlier before they get to then late 20s then start to actually know themselves so we're trying to give them the fact that we, we build these foundations we understand how they then go through brain changes but then as they come into the pdp we give them more ownership and responsibility around understanding themselves and one thing obviously that's a challenge in academy football is the fact that you're going to have some players that start in early age groups and they'll work their way right through and hopefully end up in first team. Yeah. But the real situation is that a lot of players will come in at different ages. Yeah. So how do you deal with that? So, for example, if you've got like a 14-year-old player that might have been at another academy, might not, might have just been playing um, locally, they then come into the system. You've got the other, these other players around them where you've created this programme for them. Hopefully they've been for a few years of work with you, but this player hasn't. Yeah. So what's what's the approach to that? We have to upskill quite quick. So especially we don't have much change in the younger age bands, if, bands, if I'm honest. 
And when they do have the changes, the role of the coach is really important in that, bringing them in and upskilling them. They, the younger age bandings have, like, um, weekly workshops with me, but the basically the more interaction is the coach. So my work, majority in the younger phases, is done with the coaches. So then they can understand how transition, how creating safety, all that stuff will occur in them younger age bandings if they're coming in. The older bands is like they say they are under eighteens. We had we had basically that this year. So we had seven boys from London that came up. Um, so we have to then start to understand that they then have to be upskilled because what they've done in other programs in other academies um, will probably not be neuro well won't be neuroscience. We know that because we're only we're only doing it. So we have to upskill them quite quickly. But we have to have we really um, understand about the transition periods. So we got them in quite a lot um, when they were finishing, coming up for games, being around them, coming up for a couple of days and staying over. The coaches basically being able to have time with them. We went and did like a, a, a three day in the Lake District. So we underpinned like how the groupings get together. We did like some stuff on like, tell me about you. What do I need to know about you? What, how do I help you in these sessions? What do you want? What's my background? So we got them to present and we did loads of stuff around understanding them and understanding each other and working together. So you're right, in the younger phases, when children come in, um, the role of the coach is really important. How we structure the environment and transition periods of the players that are coming in is really key for us. Um, and I think you've got to be skillful in understanding that safety and that how they trans transition in will be key to whether they, and I used to get it all the time, oh, it takes them to Christmas to settle in. All right, okay. Is that every year that that's been the case? Yeah, 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 always takes them to Christmas to settle in. I'm like, all right, so we've missed four months of development. So yeah. how do we get to it where we don't get that? So like we did like a video of the, the academy and, Pitch and then we know that threat comes from our eyes and our mouth. So a lot of like safety will come from seeing things already. So we film the academy. This is where you go on your first day. This is all you'll see. This is your coach. So we did like a little video. Well, all you're trying to do is create. We've got what's called a window of tolerance, and any new experiences, our window of tolerance shuts to help us to keep us safe. The more that we can stretch that window of tolerance, so when they come in, they feel safe. We've got up for connection quicker. Their learning's higher. Behaviour goes down, and we get into this development a lot quicker. So there's different ways in which we've tried to do it, but we understand that that is how it's going to be. But we need to be able to be better at developing that quicker. Yeah, no, I love that. Love that. Um, across the ages, is there a certain age that I was going to I was going to use challenging, but I mean challenging in a in a way from like your perspective. But also, I suppose, an age that you would highlight for coaches to be most prepared for this kind of work, where the, the players need the most support, or or does does it just completely depend on the individual? Um, comp it's you. I can't say one or the other with that because yeah. you you can look at the little ones pre academy and you go, who's got a really good um, stress response system. Which you can you can look at when we do breath work with them who can downregulate for five minutes after a session. That's a massive indicator for us that they're going to have enough in the system. They've got enough in the system to be able to learn. Otherwise, you're always trying to put that deposit in in that soil, which then their learnings become less than what the ones have that's got a really good stress response system. Um, I'm going off piece really, but coming back to your question, in the sense of the 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 age groupings. I'm really uh, passionate the fact of I don't think we get the youth development phase right for our players. We perceive them to be a challenging age because of teenagers. But when you look at the research and what it tells about the adolescent brain, and then you look at our education system or sometimes the system that they're in in the academy, we're not, we're not understanding and working with that of where they're going through it. So... I think that's massively key um, is the staffing around that area, how we've, we've changed some of our age bandings to basically highlight and put some more focus on this. Um, so, And then you've got the under 18s and 21s where fear just sets into them because of scholarships, low moves, seeing other people do well, 
all that side of it and pressure from parents, which we know. So, so yeah, so going back to your question, there's no real importance age. The understanding of what's happening in the individual in front of you is key. But I also think that we don't, we're not working with the players with what the science tells us in the youth development phase. Yeah, 100%. I wanted to ask as well, you mentioned there about um, the older players, sort of 18s, yep. having a lot of players coming up from London. And this is the modern day sort of game now, isn't it? Where players are getting yep. signed from different countries, different parts of the country. There's a lot of different challenges that are going on at different times. So if you're thinking now about the modern day player, and not just the modern yep. day player, but the modern day person, yep. how di how different is it now from your perspective pre-phones, like pre-technology, all this stuff that is now available to players, how different should should or do we work with players now? Yeah, so the big thing for me with some of our players that have come through is you've got to look culturally what's happened. So when I was born, um, we'd walk to school. My grandma brought me up because my mum and dad had just started a business. I had that real key attachment from childhood. A lot now within women, um, within females that are in a high-profile job, they're starting work, having a family later, which means we go back to work quicker. Um, and it's culturally, which is not a negative, but because of that now, the attachment sometimes isn't as programmed in, whereas before you had a parent that probably stayed at home. So our children that's coming through now, some of them haven't as much um, have got an understanding of or a, a developed stress response system. So that's a major thing. We're going to also have the benefit, well, the impact of COVID, especially with our younger players coming through with anxiety, one through epigenetics, through mothers in how they was isolated through birth. And then also because we know that our threat detection system is our eyes and our mouth. So when babies were born and they read them cues and triggers all the time from this in this area, they haven't had that development of that because their masks were high. So they've only seen eyes. So they'll have had an underdeveloped stress of threat. So their anxiety will be higher. We've got then children that didn't finish their schooling in the sense of like a prom night or whatever before they move from senior school to primary school to senior school. So that element of closure before they moved, they've had a transition period where there wasn't closure. So anxiety will be higher again. And then you come back to, obviously, phones, um, interactions. The biggest thing that I always, I try, I'm not perfect with it, but I try when I have my nieces or nephews, especially my littlest niece, I always try and put my phone away. Yeah. Plus, I know the fact of, all she wants and all she needs from me is me to be present. If I can be present, I'm depositing emotional resilience into her soil. And she was born premature, which don't get me started on that. We don't even touch that in the academies about premature and trauma. But she was born premature, so she shouldn't even be in that age, in that school year. So I know the fact that when you're present, I can deposit soil into emotional resilience and she needs it most. So it's... Yeah, the and the children that are coming through, um, <clears throat> at Sheffield, we work on a behavioural framework. We don't work on a psychology framework. And our behaviours are ownership, communication and steel. We're forging seals, so that's what we use instead of the term resilience because it gets branded too much for me. Um, and that's what research shows us, that our 16s that are coming out of school have not got enough ownership or communication or emotional resilience. So how do we give that then? Because in primary school, they get taught how to learn. In secondary school, they get taught what to learn to pass an exam. And then we've got all the old concept of boys. How socioculturally, from a sociological lens, do we govern boys to govern girls? It's different. And the messages are different in what gets played out to girls, to boys. So, so yeah, so the modern, the modern day the child that is coming through is different. And... What we, how we governed them probably before, and what we said to them, and also how we have certain practices in football that just repeat. Um, we're probably trying to test that and challenge that in a, quite a few bits. 
And a lot of the youngsters these days want to know the why. They want to yeah. know why you're doing it. So that element of, and that's that's come out, I'm just a minute, hopefully, finishing, uh, near to finish my professional doctorate. And that was a big thing that the boys said in the, in the data, they like to know the why. So instead of just giving them a tool that like, all right, you can do some breath work, I have to give them, right, this is the science, this is the tool, this is the support. Um, they want to know the why. So, yeah, so we're different in what we're coming through. So Simon Sinek's research on ownership and communication and things, of what the generation Z's now missing um, is why we went after what we did within our, in our outfight behaviours. It's great to see so many coaches coming over and joining our online community from right around the world. And it's a really good time to join because we've just uploaded all the presentations from our event at Blackburn Rovers, including a presentation on insights into developing elite youth footballers by Blackburn Rovers Head of Academy Sports Science, Russ Wrigley. Russ has been at the club for around 18 years, I think he mentioned, and he's seen so many players go through the academy system at Blackburn, get onto in, either into their first team or other first teams. So it's a super, super successful academy. He spoke about the influences around players. He spoke about the importance of player development, the pyramid of competitive greatness, which I absolutely love. You need to go and check that out in the presentation to understand what he means by that. And also how to create culture in an academy setting as well. So that is available alongside over 150 hours of content on the community covering all sorts of different topics. The good news is if you're not already a member, you can go and check it out for free by signing up to a free 30-day trial. Go to footballfitfed.com, click the community tab, sign yourself up there. You'll get full access. After your 30 days, you also get invited into our members-only WhatsApp group where there's always great discussions going on on a number of different topics. So go and check it out, footballfitfed.com, click the community tab, sign yourself up there to the Football Fitness online community. Here's part two of the podcast with Sally Needham. I think that some of the things you brought up there, just things that people don't talk about or probably aren't even aware about half the time, have they, when we're working with players. So this is exactly why I wanted to do this today because hopefully it opens people's eyes in terms of the players that we've got in front of us. When you've got a group of whatever <laughs> age it is, there's a, there's a yeah. lot of, it's a complex situation, I suppose, isn't it, when you've got these players in front of you. Um, so no, I think right. it's it's really, really important. Just off the back of that though, We've talked yeah. there about some of the challenges that we face in terms of modern day players with things like technology and yeah, yeah. social media. Mm -hmm. And you talked about higher levels of anxiety. Well, if we had that high levels of anxiety to getting contracts at clubs and all that sort of stuff, it's all going into the same sort of boat, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. What is there in terms of our approach where we can um, use it as a positive? Are there certain things where... You go, right, the modern day player. Now, you've said there a little bit about them asking why, them wanting to know why. Yeah. Is there anything else where we can be like, right, we can use the approach that they have now and the way that they work now in this positive way to get the most out of it? Yeah, I think I think, I think, think that comes back to, well, um, going back to the YDP phase, but I jump back to the PDP. But the YDP, I think that's where we see teenagers as these rebels and whatever, but actually they've got really good high risk, like risk taking. We can yeah. see it's negative or actually we can see it really positive on how we give them healthy risk and also our perhaps design and how we use that for our benefit rather than than going against it and how they are in peers groups is massive in that YDP. So we sometimes look at it from a negative lens, but actually if we look at what we could actually use in where they are, the YDP is a really, a really good point. In the older end, really clear we are, well, try to be really clear with our boys that um, emotions and feelings are that. There's no good or bad. It's an array. So to experience anxiety and you've got to experience love and all that. So I want the boys to understand that feelings and emotions are normal. How then they understand and work with that is what's going to be the key and it's always your body that's trying to keep you safe. So we're wanting them to really understand that it's not a negative. It's actually who they are. 
And if they understand themselves and can work with it, they can use it as performance gain. If they don't understand it and don't work with it, it's going to work against them, which is sad in a one way, the fact that when I look at certain players, you sometimes realise that if they've had probably some knowledge of this, where they went to or what level they achieved to what they wanted to achieve is probably being limited. We're actually understanding this and working with it. And <clears throat> a lot of people always said to me um, around, have you faced any challenges with it, with this work? And going off piece, but it's coming back to your question, is the fact of whenever I deliver this work, a lot of people said to me, oh, my God, that were like me when I played or that's me. So they're starting to realise that it is normal. Your body yeah. and your brain is normal. So we've got a coach with us, and he's like, Sally, like, I used to get dry mouth. Like, they sent me for a diabetes test. I was fittest in training, come to a game. I couldn't run my legs. He's like, that's mean. To I'm like, yeah, he's like, oh, my God. He's like, why didn't somebody help me with this when I was playing? Yeah. I'm like, well, we didn't know it then because neuroscience – it's a really big word to make me look a lot smarter than I am, but it's understanding body and brain, but we've only really got to know the advances in it in the last 12, 13, 14 years because the advanced in technology. So this is nothing new, but it's just basically being able to confirm a lot that we thought, especially in modern day practices of the contemplative tools like breath work and meditation and stuff like that. Um, but you're right. That, so in a sense, this complexity of anxiety or anything like that, um, I'll challenge the boys on the fact that it's perceived sometimes as, oh, it's a negative, but actually it's who you are and it's your bodily system that's working how it's going to work and it's all to your threat. And if you can understand it and work with it, it's a performance gain because of the chemicals that it produces. If you don't, it's going to work against you and then you've got two choices with that and really being able to be feel it, sense in and be self-aware and work with it is probably where, where we've had the biggest gains. Absolutely love that. Love it. I think as a parent as well, so much resonates around like my, my kids are only young, but you can see already some of the sort of patterns of their behavior and some of the things that you naturally lean to thinking that you're right. And then when you yeah. question it, you're like, actually, that's just their characteristics. But we did we did an episode quite a while ago now when we titled it Managing the Maverick. And all it was right, all yeah. about like the Maverick player, like your gazers, and we referred to different sports like Dennis Rodman and these yeah. players that were basically geniuses, but they didn't fall in line with all the other players. But that's that was their superpower, really. And that, yeah. well, as you were saying it then, I was like, that's exactly what it ties into, doesn't it? Like you've got these players that would be super, super talented. Are we just going to pull them back in line and try and get them to behave like everyone else? Or are we going to actually help them develop? Yeah. I think that I think it's key, like understanding the individual and understanding who they are. Like, I'm a big thing. Like we we've had this conversation last few weeks. So um, when I first came in, I used to go into Jack's office and he used to say to me, "Oh God, what now?" Because I used to be like, "Right, why why do we do that?" And he'd be like, "I don't know. We just do it." And I'm like, "Right, well that needs changing." Yeah. And um, and coming back to like your Mavericks, like we stopped like our boys. A lot of academies uh, make them have black boots. And I said to him, I said, but you've asked him to conform, but then you ask him to be creative. Yeah. So it's like, and then one of our boys has got like really big hair and he's like, and I'm like, I love your hair, Bobby. Like, I love your hair. He's like, I know. He's like, I'm not sure. I don't know if I need to like change it to like, not really sure about it. We keep getting comments. I'm like, it makes you stand out. It's who you are. Like, we've yeah. got to embrace them. And people will push boundaries and boys do, and, but they need it, but... We've got to be really careful not to ask them to be great, creative, but then ask them to conform. Yeah. And you've got to think outside the box sometimes. So we've we got a boy that struggled with emotional control because of history. Um, but he don't like he don't really like doing anything apart from rap music. So I did all the meditative practices with rap music. And it worked for him, but you've got to just think that I hated the. In fact, I got into Rod Wave a little bit once we started with some of the songs. I had to pick, pick, pick through some of the songs. Um, but you do have to go with what they want. Otherwise, we get we get programmed into trying to make them into what we think and print our lens onto them, and how we've always done it onto them. When actually, they will dictate what relationship they have with you our academy manager talks about it all the time 
And then it's how you understand them to then what relationship you give them and how you are with them. Um, but yeah, the Mavericks are, are, are different, especially when you start looking at their reward system in their brains. We've got two different reward systems, dopamine and serotonin, and how then you bring that to play. And so, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, no, it definitely is. No, I find I find that fascinating, um, just especially within a group of players, because you're going to have such different personalities and characteristics of each individual. So, no, I, and, I, and that's why it applies to everyone listening. So everyone listening is going to have a group of players in front of them and already they're probably thinking about, oh, yeah, that player who wears those coloured boots or has that hairstyle or acts in this certain way, like you'll be able to picture those people as well. You've talked a few times, Sally, about um, breath work, about meditation. It's definitely something I want to dive into because I see it being done more and more at clubs, which obviously is great to see. But I want to just go into how you actually run it with players. You you gave it a really good example there of like an individual and making it personalised to them so they actually buy into it. So what's been your experiences around that and maybe some of the positives that have come off the back of it as well? Yeah, so we implemented yoga into the programme. So we normally do gym and yoga split. So half will go in the gym, half will go yoga, and then there's changeover. We had a yoga teacher come in to start with um, and did some videos and kind of like developed um, it the right way. And then I now now deliver it. I've done yoga for years, but I deliver it now with the boys. But we set off um, in the programme uh, with the yoga teacher just to get it nailed in first so they've got some good techniques in. Um, and then what we do is we'll tag that on to some breath work. The boys love the breath work, like love it. And then what happens is I've got, a, we've got, we've got um, a mindfulness room. So the boys will come in um, and do morning work, whether that's a technical work, whether that's a gym session, whatever it is, all work with me. And certain groups, we might do it as a group of three. We might do it as an individual and they'll come in and do some breath work. We know that our breath is really our remote control of our body. And if we can understand how that works and what strategies we work with it, then it will aid our thinking and our nervous system regulation. So we do a lot of breath work. Um, It's embedded, like I said, into the programme. They have to do it every week. It's no non-negotiables and everybody does it. But then certain individuals will do more of the program with me whether that is breath work whether that is some meditation whether that is um visualization all the boys get a journal um some use them some don't that's personal choice and uh, we have cold water baths so we've got like the the pods that come in and do some cold water breath work uh, within it um i'm taking one of the boys out on friday we're going up to a place um, in Sheffield. I'm going to do a, a morning of breath work in nature. So I'm taking him out on, on Friday. Um, so, yeah, so it, we, we, it's, it's implemented as part of the programme, but then it's implemented in the sense of individual work as well. Um, we know the signs behind it all. So I always present the signs to the boys and probably examples of who does it, why you do it, what does it gain, what does it link into performance, um, and then I'm always there, like trying to push him into. So, like, uh, um, a player in our 18s, he does a lot of breath work for his free kicks. We put it into the program around penalty takers and how we use neuroscience to influence in his penalties. <clears throat> Some of our players use it, our goalkeepers use it before they strike the ball. Um, so, yeah, so it's common practice, it's common knowledge. Uh, you see a lot of the boys using it. Um, Language is key as well for us in, in what what we do. But yeah, so, and same as meditation. So I'll set the, set the boys. So you know when we meditate, you if I was to put a swimming cap on that lit up certain areas, these three areas would light up more, which is your prefrontal cortex, your ACC and your insula. They're all linked to motor skills or emotional control, focus, concentration, decision-making. Are they not key for football? Yeah, all right then. So this is what we're working on. So like you would do, you go in the SNC and do your gym or you go on the technical. This is what we're pruning to daily habits. And certain players um, have certain elements that they've took. Um, some have got maybe one or two things that they do. Some have got six or seven things that they do. Um, it's interesting that the data from the staff 
has been around. The ones that have bought into it a hell of a lot more have seen now, we're seeing them now coming through either first team or on loan somewhere mm -hmm. or getting the chances. Um, and that's what kind of happened to start with. I started with a player that then bought into it that had good social capital in the group and then players started, oh, well, that's working for so so you can see the benefit and then it just escalated and snow rolled. So the boys love it. Um, I think... It helps that I can tie it into the football as well. It helps that the coaches do it. So, like, our academy manager comes in, he does morning, he does on the bike, his breath work and meditation, um, he journals. So it's common in practice that it's not something that's this fluffy thing. We now can back it up by the science. We know what the science is telling us. So, excuse me. So, yeah, so it's, um, it's implemented in a group level and then individuals take and work with what they want to take and work with yeah i absolutely love that i love that and i like i say i do see it being done across um a number of clubs now probably in in slightly different ways but yeah. i think it's so important i think i feel like it's quite an untapped area isn't it for yeah. a lot of players as well um so it's, it is is the overall obviously you've said there about the individuals and how each individual can take different parts of it which obviously is the whole idea isn't it yeah. about us supporting players yeah. What is the overall emphasis from your perspective on sort of down-regulating, teaching players to down-regulate and finding a strategy that works for them? Yeah, so a lot of clubs, I feel, like do probably yoga because yeah. they see it as an S&C recovery strategy. <clears throat> and I feel like really yoga is used as a, a muscular thing or something that recovery. But actually, if you look at... The, from a lens of a restorative practice in a sense of understanding body and brain. It's really good for movement, understanding how you feel. And the use of breath is so key in that, in yoga. So we frame it slightly differently, but yeah, it's it's the it's all around, for me, making that soil as strong as we can. And yoga, mindfulness, meditation, breath work, visualisation, journaling, is all around making that soil as much as we can. For one, for demands of the game and demands of life, because we know the we know the transition periods, we know the stats, we know what happens when players finish the game. So it's very much around how can we down-regulate, but how can then we also up-regulate? How do we understand how we feel in our body and our brain? And then how can we practice that? But also what are we doing every day to really extend that window of tolerance? So every day that we are putting a little pocket into that soil, we're developing their window of tolerance, which means the fact that they can deal with the setbacks, they can deal with pressure in games, they can deal with moments of transition, they can deal with deselection injuries, but also then they can deal with stuff outside of life. But also yeah. then a bigger decision-making capacity. So we know that bodily state will affect decision-making. So more that we can have bigger window of tolerance, which gives them more before they have to tip into fight, flight, or freeze, the bigger decision-making, the bigger scanning area. We know that once a player tips into fight, flight, or freeze, their scanning becomes very limited because of their movement in their face, their eyes and their muscles around the face comes, limit, comes limited. So they're just surviving in that moment. So, so yeah, for we... People perceive it that it's a restorative or a yoga practice is there for stretch and recovery, but it's so much more if you look at it from a neuroscience lens. I love that. I love the fact that you mentioned as well, it's not just about football and performance because them carrying that on, hopefully when they have long careers and they retire, like it's, you're still going to be able to carry a lot of those skills over to that time, aren't you? When they're when they're having kids and all the other challenges that come after it, like there's so much to learn and take forward. Yeah, definitely, and especially breath work. So, like, um, I it's because I've been doing my PhDs, my some of the days they made, but <laughs> I can remind you'll talk about his son. His son plays. He's young. Um, plays for a local team and in our pre academy, but he don't like his maths. And he used yeah. to get him on his maths when he used to come home on his maths and like, just get your maths done, then you're done. But now he's like, right, we have some breath work, then we go into his maths, and then yeah. we take some breath work, then we come back, he's like, and it's and it, it is, it's the element of how they take it into. So quite a lot of our boys are obviously learning to drive. 
So one of them said to me the other week, he's like, I have to tell my driving instructor when I need to take the, uh, my breath um, work, like take a rest and do my breath work. I said, how's that gone down? She's like, oh, yeah, she's brilliant about it. She's like, pull over. So you have to step out the car. I just need to do my breath work. And then like, she gets back in the car. <laughs> That's and so good. I know. So a lot of them, a lot of them do use the breath work. Other days, one of the boys went, I remember an argument with, <laughs> with his other half. He says, and I says to her, I just need to go do my breath work and I'll come back. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're real life situations, aren't they, where, yeah. where it's needed. Yeah. And I think there's a, there's a whole generation of people that have not learned how to do that. Yeah. which is why we see so much like struggling people as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, I think that's so vital and crucial and such powerful skills that they're learning. Yeah, definitely. The, the, and I think, and, I, and I, like I said before, they really enjoy it. Yeah. Like, the, you know, the boys love it. The little ones do. The little ones will say to me, are we doing yoga today? Like, are we doing some yoga? And I'm like, no, not today or whatever. Like, they love it. Yeah. Um, and it's embedded and, and we have a colouring in wall and somebody said to me how do you get this boys to colour I was like because they come in they just sit and colour in like they yeah. just sit in colour um, you know and quite a few of our boys have colouring in books they take them they do it but because we know that the science and you can you can give the science behind it which we know helps for performance and aids performance they do it if I were just to ask them to just start colouring in they'd be like what are you asking me to do that for yeah, but yeah. you know, we've took some of our boys singing lessons, we've took some ballet classes. But if you frame it for them in the sense of this is what's going to help you, this is, and we, we've got a model at Sheffield about red zone and green zone, and they know about chemical responses and what we think and feel and how this affects, which basically is just what confidence is. Um, <clears throat> I can give them the science behind why we're doing what we're doing, and the boys will go, All right, yeah, I'll give it a go. Um, and the the do one it, it's it's I have to admit the they've been brilliant with it they've bought into it. Class, no, it sounds so good, Sally. I'm wary of the time. I don't want to keep you all day. Um, but I want to just ask you to leave us with one sort of takeaway, one message for all the coaches, the practitioners listening. I said to you before they're going to be working with a number of different um, groups of players. But with a lot of the things we've spoke about, there's obviously a hell of a lot of messages in there. But if you were to pick one in terms of us just increasing the level of support that we're giving to players across numerous ages, what would be one message you give to play uh, to coaches, sorry, going forward? Um, can I go a little bit off piece? Of course. Right? Of course. Um the one message I would say, well, it's three messages in one, but basically is around the before stuff. So even in the SNC in the gym, um, you've got to activate what's called ventral vagal and play state. If we're activated that, our learning capacity is higher and our regulation and our social connections higher. So what we do before we start our session is really important. So that's probably my key message. The fact of we talk around how you greet them. So use of names, fist bump. We know that bodily contact is dopamine release. So how you greet them, how you use them music maybe as they walk in the gym, how we use an arrival activity. So it's easier on the easier on the the the, the field because we can just do a little like soccer tennis or a fun activity. The coming in the gym is the puzzle on the wall, is there something on the TV? So something to start the activation of the learning. And then it's around then what we're doing today. So structure on a whiteboard. So if they walk in anxiety will say when people come in and players will come in what we're we doing today we're we playing at weekend what we what we're we doing when they're asking what they're doing it's a sign of anxiety in the sense yeah. of the need to know so if we just go concentrate and i'll tell you in five minutes they can't concentrate so what i would say is how you frame before you start your sessions really important so how you greet them use the structure boards writing it down and then arrival activity and you've got to be creative with that especially in the gym more but and then it's just an activity activity to activate what we need to do in our nervous system. Because we talk around all the time around, you've got to connect before you correct. And also understanding that your physiological bodily state is going to depend on the quality of them, what you get out in that session. So that little bit of how you build that in with music, with how you are, with your face, with your tone is key for what you're going to get out in your session. Simple as that. So that's my, my, my main message, I would say. Amazing. 
Sally, that was superb. There's so much to get people thinking about in that episode. I really, really appreciate you going through that. And I also realise there's a lot more we could have probably covered in that as well. But it just gives a bit of an insight into the work I know you and the staff at the club are doing, which is it sounds absolutely amazing. So, yeah, thank you very much for coming on and sharing it. No, thanks for having me, Ben. Appreciate it. So, just, just leave us. If people want to keep up to date with the work that you've got going on, where yeah. would you direct them? Um, I'm not really active in stuff like that. I've, I've got obviously Twitter and my LinkedIn. Um, but moving forward, um, I'm going to try and pull obviously once the PhD is done and submitted and sorted, then I will look at probably um, trying to write a book or doing a few little bits. So, yeah. So, in the meantime, just connect with me on either LinkedIn or on Twitter and then um, keep your eyes peeled for the next probably stage. This this work was is new. So at the minute, it's kind of right. Cement, um, put, submit the PhD, get that signed off. The fact yeah. that then it's um, the, re, the work is doing what it says it does and then we'll look at then how we then start to, to then um, get the messages out there a little bit better. Amazing. Thank you, Sally. No worries. Thank you. Wow. I'm pretty sure you'll be in the same boat as me where you've taken an incredible amount from that episode and the work that Sally is doing at Sheffield United as well. I wasn't quite sure where to start in terms of takeaways because I just thought there's so much packed into this podcast. I think one of the first things is the analogy that Sally used around the importance of the soil where we're developing players and we're always trying to improve the quality of that soil and the culture around players and allowing them to develop and grow in the different ways that each individual will if we're if given the right circumstances and I think that's so important I think the other thing is that I think in the past there's probably been players where coaches would probably turn around and go yeah they're not going to get through because of x y and z they're hard to work with or whatever it is and they're just bad eggs and it's not the case. We, we've got to be innovative enough. We've got to be open-minded enough and skilled enough to try and find ways of working with these players. And I think it ties in with what I spoke about in a few kind of recent episodes around academy coaches, because I really see there being a skill with coaches like Sally and others working in academy football, that they are so um, skilled working with academy players that the whole pathway of getting coaches through to first team is wasted if people like Sally and others that have been on the podcast and not been on the podcast that are doing some amazing work in academy football. If you take them away from working with academy players, I think it's it's a shame because they're not going to get that same development. I think the other thing that Sally talked about was the importance of childhood and that is just massive, isn't it? Because if you think about everyone's upbringings, everyone's different, they face different challenges, they've seen different things. Some children have been through some unbelievable challenges that have taken them up to that point. So it's obviously going to affect them going forward. And then the other thing that I think when I spoke about the importance of parents listening to the, this podcast is something that real, we really try hard with our boys is that emotions and feelings are normal. Like feeling angry, feeling frustrated, these feelings are normal. They shouldn't just not happen. It's all part of development and learning how to cope and the coping mechanisms around it and the things that we can teach our children and our players. That's the important thing. I think accepting the fact that they're normal, that everyone experiences them in some way, shape or form. I think that's the important side of it. So wow, there was so much to take from this one. And I really appreciate Sally coming on and the work she's doing sounds absolutely unbelievable. As I said at the start, please give this one a share. I think this is such an important podcast to share with coaches working with academy players, um, youth players, children, even teachers, parents. There's so many this can cross over to. I was telling my wife the other day she needs to listen to it. Um, So yeah, hopefully we're going to get a few new listeners on the podcast from this one. Um, So please, yeah, give it a share. And also go and give our sponsors a follow as well. They allow this podcast to run in the way it is running. We are also, I've give a little preview into the fact that we've got a brand new studio coming for the podcast as well. I gave a little sneak peek on the Instagram over the weekend. So the sponsors allow things like that to happen. They allow the progress of the podcast. So please go and show them some love. That is Magic Mind, the good prep 
Rezzle and also Hydro, all doing some incredible work and go and check out their products on the social media. Big thank you again for listening to the episode. I'm sure you took plenty away from this one and I'll speak to you again next week in episode 279.